0: Metaphors are powerful, aren't they? I, I don't know about you, but if you tell somebody, if you're, if you're a good teacher, uh, just telling someone the information is one way, but using a metaphor or giving an analogy or explaining something more in depth is, is how you get your point across. And so there's images that, that, that we hear in the scriptures and there's metaphors that are used to help us understand what the authors are, are actually saying. So we have in Isaiah, Isaiah says uh, one day that the lion will lie down with the lamb. Like that's a powerful image, is it not? An ex- of what it means to have true peace. Uh, we, Jesus uses m- metaphors all the time. He calls himself uh, the, the bread of life. He talks about himself as uh, the living water, about being the door, or the vine, or you know, a number of other things, right? And it's helpful, the good shepherd is another example. And it helps us give it this image of what, how Jesus perceives himself and what he perceives himself to be. We have metaphors that, uh, that stick with us, too, about, about life, and they're helpful. I, I was reading some that I had heard before in my life, and at one point, um, I was in the hospital. This was years ago now. I was in the hospital, and someone came in there from our church to visit me, and they said, a hospital bed is like a parked taxi with the meter running. So hurry up and get out is basically what they said because you're just, get, you're just racking up the dollars the, the, every second you lay here. You know, like when I was in science class, they'd, they'd say the, the, big, the big bang, right? And everybody would know what I'm talking about when you say the big bang. It's a powerful metaphor for, for what is just people describe as the way that the, the earth started. Metaphors stick with us. They help us understand things kids need that as well. Like I remember my daughter, Sunny, she was uh, crying one day and I said, you know, sometimes we have we have good days and we have bad days. And she looked at me like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I, and so I said, well, life so I says, life is a little bit like a roller coaster. And she's like, oh, I know what a roller coaster is. It like goes up and down. It turns left and it turns right. And she kind of understood what I was saying. That sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are bad. When I was growing up and going to church, um, and maybe maybe it wasn't necessarily the church that I was going to, but kind of like the Christian language that was often used about the church in the context of the rest of the culture and the rest of the world was very, like, militaristic. I don't know if that was your, your growing up. But it was like, we're in this battle. We got to win it. Uh, everybody's, you know, trying to take down um, you know our version of, of the way that the world should be, and we have to fight. We have to fight for God's moral agenda. And so we have to vote the right way, we have to get the right people in office, and we have to fight against this culture that's trying to take away what we want and ultimately will persecute us. And I'm like, as I've reflected, and as I even at the time, but but especially now as I've gotten older, I'm less convinced that this idea of battle or war is the right metaphor for what the church is supposed to be. Now I do think that Paul talks about us having a battle not with flesh and blood, but blood, but with the rules and principalities of darkness. Like I think that's a real thing, that there's a battle that we're that we're waging against. the evil realm against Satan, against the, the demonic in our lives, against temptation. But I don't think that's the metaphor for the way that the church is supposed to be in the world. And so for a long time, I, was, I, I could kind of put words around what I think the church was supposed to be, but I never had this like, really clear image until I read a book by someone named Brian Zond and he wrote a book called Beauty Will Save the World. And in that book, he talks uh, glowingly about what the church should be in the last chapter. And so today I'm going to read three passages from the prophet Isaiah. And I want you to see if you can figure out what the metaphor is. All right. See if you hear a, repre- a repeated phrase that you think that, that, that could be the metaphor that I'm going to use today. So Isaiah 4, 5, and 6 this is a portion of the scripture that Geraldine read this morning for our call to worship. It says this, Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for, and for a refuge and shelter from the storm and rain. Isaiah 25, 4-5 says this, Therefore strong peoples will glorify you, Cities of ruthless nations will fear you, for you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. And then again in Isaiah 32, verses 1 through 2, it says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice each will be like a hiding place from the wind a shelter from the storm like streams of water in a dry place like the shade of a great rock in a weary land Anybody catch it What's the phrase that was repeated over and over in those each one of those passages A shelter from the storm A shelter from the storm. Isn't that a cool image? So Isaiah is imagining in these different passages that one day on Mount Zion, people will will come and gather together, the people of God, and there will be a canopy over them. There'll be a shade from the heat, a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. And then Isaiah 25 is, is talking about how uh, someday when the Messiah comes, there, there will be, uh, all the nations will gather and it will show that, that God has been a stronghold for the poor, stronghold for the needy and distressed, a shelter from the storm, a shade from the heat. And then Isaiah 32 is talking about how a king will come and reign in righteousness and rule in justice, whose kingdom will be a shelter from the storm. Isn't that cool? And so when we see Jesus show up on the scene, we see him as this messianic figure, the bringer of the kingdom of God, as Isaiah projects uh, and predicts and prophesies hundreds of years before and he says that when this Messiah comes he will be a shelter from the storm. He will be a refuge for people. He will be for the needy and for the poor, right? And Jesus kind of even picks up this idea subtly in his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And I had never seen this before or connected it to Isaiah, but some people have. And it says in Matthew 24, uh, Matthew 7, verses 24 and following, it says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall. It was a shelter from the storm because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus understood that he and his followers were ushering in this long-awaited kingdom of God, and that in doing so, they were building what Isaiah described as a shelter from the storm. You say, well, that's neat. That's for Israel, like the people of God, but it says that we've been grafted in, right? Right? Anybody that's a Gentile has been grafted in, and now the church is called to be the same type of thing, the same type of shelter from the storm. And I and I, like I know people. It's just like so repeated right now. Our world is polarized. Everybody's angry. Everybody's divided. And it's so. But but it is true, right? Like I mean, you can't. Like there is. Uh, you know, from news station to news station, from uh, newspaper to newspaper, from website to website, you find this, this mentality that it's us versus them. There's a hatred for people that disagree with us. There's like a genuine hatred for those that live differently than we do. And so it can be, and I think in the church as well, it can be really compelling to say, come in, let's go, you know, let's go be warriors for Jesus. We're in this great battle. Come fight on our side. And it does seem to appeal to some people to, to think about that and to always think about people as the enemy, always thinking about us versus them that that were these in these extreme battle circumstances. But what if this metaphor that Isaiah spoke prophetically and Jesus hints at used is used to define us instead? What if we framed our invitation for people to find their way into the community and the, the church is not simply to, to uh, beat their heads over with, the, you know, with a stick about the truth, but to find refuge from hardships, from sickness, from loss, from exhaustion, from emptiness, from homelessness, from loneliness, from addiction, and from oppression? What might change in us if we saw our community as a place that we could come? as a shelter from the storm. Wouldn't there be a beauty to the church and in our community that would just be so compelling? Wouldn't it be compelling to, to walk into this place and to know that the people that are here love you deeply and that will mourn with you when you mourn, we will celebrate you when you, when you need celebration, will walk with you through hardships and difficulties and trials. When you're lonely, they're going to show up when they're home, when you're homeless, they're going to help. When you're addicted, they're going to pray and stand with you and and plead with you to to turn back to uh, to to um, sobriety. When you're sick, they're going to bring you a, a, a pie, even if you don't need one, maybe. <laughs> and I just kept thinking of different people in our world, and they're, they're just, there's just such a wide variety of people. They're not in this, in this church, and in Uptown in particular, in the city of Chicago, but this refuge from the storm, is it really is for people from all different walks of life. I was thinking about the business person who's, who's working 60, 70 hours a week downtown, exhausted, with so little time, just trying to make everything work. Could that person come in and find refuge and find shelter from the trials and difficulties of their life? I was thinking about somebody that was that was sick and that was facing um, a long road of recovery. Could they find a community of people that walk alongside of them, that bear their burdens, that care for their needs, even if they can't do anything to fix their sickness? I thought of somebody struggling with with mental illness that they could come to a place like the church and in their their good days when they're feeling okay and they're they're you know they're they're dealing with the difficulties that they're facing in their lives to be valued and loved but even on their hard days the days when they would be embraced and cared for and and helped and given rides home and 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 talked to and cared for and, and loved and valued. I think about the the parents who have kids that are struggling. I never knew till I was a parent how hard it is to watch your kid when they're when they're not doing well. And to have people that pray for your kids and have people that uh, speak truth to your, into your kids' lives and the, the ones that are willing to take them and uh, take them out for ice cream and, and mentor them and, and, and sit with them. I mean, I had someone do that for me. I was 17 years old, and this guy met with me every single week at McDonald's. He was one of my parents' friends, <laughs> basically. And it was kind of weird at first, right? Like, are you going to go back and tell my parents everything that I said, right? (laughs) But how amazing is that? Oh, for a year plus, this person just sat with me every single week. Prayed for me. Talked to me. Answered my questions as best that he could. I think about the person that's away at college for the first time. And though they're surrounded by thousands of people at school, They're away from their family and the people that they know and that love them most dearly. I think of the people in our church who can hardly go a day without their personhood somehow being questioned because of their skin color or something else and always looking over their shoulder waiting for something horrible to happen. Uh, And even now, I just think about all of us who this last year have had a year of forced solitude. What's the funny part in our church was that we were going through Lent right before, you know, like during, uh, right before COVID hit. And I had just given the sermon about how we need to practice solitude. And then we didn't have church for a year and everyone was in their houses for a really long time. I don't know, God wanted to make us apply that teaching, I guess, right? Oh, what, I mean, this, you know, the COVID took hundreds of thousands of lives in our country. In my own family, I've had three or four people have significant problems or pass away. We have a country that just, no matter who's in leadership, it can't seem to get out of its own way. Can't seem to deal with the sins of our past and we continually ignore and repeat the same things over and over again. And I just know, maybe you're having a great day today, but there are a lot of people who are lonely, afraid, exhausted, depressed, sick of the status quo. And this metaphor of a place that is a shelter from the storm, a house built on Jesus, has such power, such beauty. It's so compelling. At least it is for me. Like I want to be part of a community where I can be my worst self and be loved and valued and cared for and honored. That I can make all kinds of mistakes and people will stand by me, call me back to the right way, show up at my house, love my family, love my kids, love my wife, even when I mess up. And Jesus kind of has his own list of, of things that he does uh, in, in this sermon where he like, makes a list of people he's thinking about when he talks about this, this shelter that needs to be built. And it's the Beatitudes. This is a whole sermon. It's his best sermon, uh, I think. He probably got to use it over and over again because he'd go to different places. And whenever you're a preacher, that's the best feeling. Like, you got a really good sermon. Like, let me go speak this at different places. Everyone thinks I'm really smart. And it's from then and you, when you have to do it every week. They realize that you're not. It's much harder. It's really hard to be original. <laughs> so Jesus had a list of in the Beatitudes, and it's and just almost kind of like the list that I just made of the people that came to my mind this week as I was thinking about who the shelter of the storm is for. And His list is better, so we're gonna stick with His. But like, but here's a, a few of the examples. He says this, De declaring blessing over them that the kingdom of God is for these people, that the shelter from the storm is from these people. If you are poor. Jesus declares blessing that the kingdom of God is for you. In Luke, he uses just stops there. He doesn't go anything beyond. If you're, if you feel like you don't have much, if you're like, I'm down and out, I don't have, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, or I don't know what to do about housing, or I have all these things like, like Jesus is declaring this message that you are blessed, that the kingdom of God is actually for you. In Matthew, he uses the term poor in spirit. There's a lot of ways to take that. One of the ways that I like to understand it is that you're bad at being spiritual. <laughs> like you're, I don't know. You know some people are just like natural at being Christians? <laughs> I don't know. Like they just come to faith and they're like, let me pray up front. And then it's just like super powerful and, they, and they're just like, yeah, you want me to read my Bible every day? Okay. And they just do it for like the next 15 years without missing a day. You're just like, hmm. I don't have that, whatever that thing is. <laughs> but you see Jesus' ministry, and he's like, all the people that were, were like, so good at being spiritual or so good at like religion, so, and it, they just like never seemed to get it, and then all the people, they just couldn't figure life out. They, couldn't, they just seemed like they were always dishonoring God, they were always messing up, they were always making mistakes, they were always doing the wrong thing. It's just like they just just like a beeline to Jesus. The, other, the next one, he says, <laughs> "Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted." I know there are people in our church right now that are in the state of mourning. And Jesus promises that that this place, that this kingdom that he's bringing is for you. You will be comforted. Next one's those that are meek, right? Like Jesus thinking of who is the kingdom of God for? It's for the meek, uh, the quiet, and the gentle, <laughs> the non assertive people, the non aggressive people. You're going to inherit the earth, all of you. Think about that in comparison to like our capitalistic societies, right? It's like whoever's the most aggressive, <laughs> whoever's the got the most confidence, whoever's uh, you know the, the I don't know the most powerful, the most boisterous. The most, it's like oftentimes like we see those people are the ones, but the ones that kind of sit back and are gentle and not like they always get passed by or they always get cheated or they always get moved to the side. They always got forget, get forgotten. Well, you're the ones that are going to inherit the earth. Jesus says, you know who the kingdom of God is for? Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for justice. For those of you that ache for the world to be made right, for things to be made new, Jesus is saying, the shelter from the storm is for you. For the merciful, for the people that are willing to forgive, willing to forget how they've been wrong. Well, maybe not forget, but they're going to be able to forgive those things that are wrong. For those of you that are pure hearted, you will see God. For those of you that are peacemakers, not just people that ignore conflict, but go and make peace. The kingdom of God is for you. For you that are persecuted, for Jesus' name, the kingdom of God is for you. And this isn't so much like a to-do list. This isn't like, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to be part of this, so I got to go mourn, right? Even though I don't have anything to mourn about because I want to be part of this. It's it's more of just like an announcement. It's just say that Jesus is saying, just so you know, oftentimes you think because you're mourning that, that the, the God's kingdom isn't for you. Or just because the justice hasn't come, but you yearn for it. Like, I want you to know the kingdom of God is for you. I want you to know that there's a shelter from the storm that's the people of God that have based their lives on the rock, Jesus Christ himself. And doesn't it feel good with all the bad stuff and the hard stuff in our lives that Jesus is saying, "Don't worry, my kingdom. In my kingdom, you are blessed. Don't worry, there's (laughs) there's a house and there's room for you. Don't worry, you are welcome to come in and find refuge and some some covering from all this brutal stuff." And I just say if that list or like the things I've been saying for you like sounds like good news, it should because this is what the good news of Jesus is all about. Come and find refuge in Jesus. Come and find refuge in the community of people who want to love God, love others, and follow Jesus. So we wanted to do a series on... um, on hope. And I honestly was like, when it was suggested, I, I kind of cringed. I was like, oh, hope? Oh, you mean the, like the, everyone else says, oh, just be happy, you know, have hope. Like, I, I like to think of myself more as like a realist, you know, about what's going on. So we're not going to have a series on hope that's just fluffy and we're not we're just going to pretend to be happy and that everything's right in the world. We believe that God has called us to hope even in the midst of hardship. Even in the midst of, as we're going to find out next week, a lot of really, really difficult things that happen throughout the scriptures and, and even now. And we want to invite you to bring your full self to our church and to our community that you don't need to hide or pretend or act like you have all things together. And so next week, we want you to be prepared to bring all those things here. Uh, We're going to have like an actual service of, um, I guess you could call it lament, of of crying out to God, of sharing all the things in our lives that we we wish were different, crying out for hope in the midst of uncertainty or questioning whether God really is being faithful in the midst of these things in our lives. So we just want to tell you ahead of time that that's the way it's going to be next week so you don't come and are a little bit taken aback or shocked. But what we also want to say today is that this image, this idea of being a shelter from the storm is one that I hope that our church takes on as part of kind of our DNA we have a value, it's called honor, and you can read that value and it makes lots of good points, but this metaphor of the shelter of the storm I think is trying to get at what that honor spells out in, like a, in a whole long paragraph. We want to be a place where you can come and have refuge and find Jesus We want to be a place where you could invite a friend a neighbor and you could have total confidence that they would walk into this place wherever they've been, wherever they're at, however many mistakes they've had, whatever they're going through, and they would come and be honored and be loved and welcomed, and this could be a place of refuge and safety for them. And so I think in order to be a a community that's a shelter from the storm, we've got to have more things going on than just this church service on Sunday as well. although that's been great to have after not having it for a long period of time. But we're excited to say that there's going to be more things that we're going to be offering this fall for you. There's going to be community nights. There's going to be, we call them family dinners, which basically just means anybody uh, in the family, but even if you're not in the family, you can come and, uh, and, and hang out at people's houses, have a good meal, get to know people, make friends. Uh, we're going to offer um, formation courses this fall. Uh, we're going to study uh, First Samuel together, which I think will be really neat. There's going to be lots of things happening. And so we invite you to, those of you that are just showing up and just checking out our church or aren't really sure, we invite you to to jump in. And I think you'll find that there are people here that will genuinely care for you, genuinely want your good, genuinely want you to follow Jesus uh, with them in this community. And so uh, we invite you into more and more and more of that as we take refuge in Jesus. Amen.